This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Tackling behavioral health problems is not always a set regimen of clinical visits and medication. For some Native people, artistic expression and connection with culture helps relieve stress and other contributors to depression and anxiety. It's an alternative that can produce results, especially for those struggling to open up to counselors or loved ones. We'll talk with therapists and artists about turning to creativity to combat mental health setbacks. That's coming up after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. There's a first-of-its-kind agreement between the Pennington County Sheriff's Office and the Oglala Sioux Tribe Department of Public Safety. The new agreement helps the organizations work together more efficiently. South Dakota Public Broadcasting's C.J. Keene has more. The memorandum of mutual support is described as historic and a force multiplier for both offices as violent crime rates continue to rise. Oglala Sioux Tribe President Kevin Killer says the agreement will tighten jurisdictional gaps. It's going to mean that, that people can feel safe at night, you know, and they can understand that, you know, when the, the chief reaches out for partners and he doesn't have to worry about going through all these jurisdictional loopholes to get some arrest warrant once they flee the reservation, because they know, you know, they know that, you know, once they leave the reservation, it's a different, different jurisdiction and it's also a, a different uh, relationship. Killer says the reservation's public safety budget is $5 million a year, while Pennington County has a budget approaching $45 million, not including Rapid City. Logan Young is the chief of police for the tribe. He says the agreement formalizes a long-term working relationship with the sheriff's office. We, we've seen an increase in violent crime and we've seen a, uh, you know, a shortage in police officer, people wanting to be police officer. This is a force multiplier and us collaborating with the sheriff's office for public safety. Pennington County Sheriff Kevin Tome says the agreement respects tribal sovereignty. This agreement is an acknowledgement of the tribe's sovereignty, it's government to government, signing agreements. We'll come when asked, we'll do what you ask, and we'll leave when asked. It's really that simple, but it gives us the ability to better protect our communities. The agreement also acknowledges cultural differences between the communities and commits to develop an understanding between the departments to better serve the public. For National Native News, I'm CJ Keene. Five years after the passage of Senate Bill 13, which mandated teaching Oregon students about Native Americans, new materials are rolling out. KLCC's Brian Bull has more. K-12 educational materials are being developed by the Oregon Department of Education and the state's nine federally recognized tribes. The Confederated Tribes of Siletz Indians are the latest to roll out their curriculum. I know when I went to school, the only Indians we ever heard about was uh, Sitting Bull. Dolores Pigsley is the Siletz Tribal Chair. She's hopeful that by sharing her tribe's history, culture, and practices, Native youth can feel empowered and visible, while non-Indians can appreciate their indigenous neighbors more. I think it'll be a challenge to teachers to adopt the curriculum and to give it their best shot. So it's going to be important how it's taught and how it's accepted. An ODE official says all nine sovereign tribes of Oregon are in different stages of development with their lesson plans. For National Native News, I'm Brian Bull. Western Oregon University has announced it will offer in-state tuition to Native Americans. 
The tuition is for undergraduate students who are enrolled members of any federally recognized tribe. In-state tuition for 2022-23 is $8,730 for 15 credits. Out-of-state tuition is more than $28,000. The Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma is hosting a special reception on Saturday to celebrate the opening of its newest exhibit, We Are Cherokee, Cherokee Freedmen, and the Right to Citizenship. The exhibit at the tribe's National History Museum examines the history of slavery in Cherokee Nation. Stories, images, and documents of Cherokee freedmen are featured alongside nine original artworks. The exhibit is part of the Cherokee Freedmen Art and History Project, established in 2020, which seeks materials and stories to broaden Cherokee Nation's understanding of freedmen. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. There's no reason to let uncertainty about the election process keep you from voting. That's why AARP created state-specific comprehensive election guides. Learn more at aarp.org slash election guides. AARP supports this show. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Depression and anxiety disorders are on the rise. Experts blame some outside factors like human and financial losses from the COVID-19 pandemic and economic pressures like inflation. On top of that, behavioral health experts say Native Americans often face effects of historical trauma. There are, however, a number of potential solutions for what has become a mental health crisis. Art therapy is often effective, particularly among people who have difficulty expressing themselves verbally. Today we'll hear about efforts to help Native Americans with mental health issues through art therapy. We'll also hear from artists whose work offers a constructive way to work through anxiety and depression. You're welcome to join us. Are you familiar with art therapy? Do art projects help your emotional well-being? We're at 1-800-996-2848. Give us a call. During this show, we are likely to discuss suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, you can call or text 988, or you can chat online by going to 988lifeline.org. Once again, that's 988lifeline.org. Joining us first from Española in Ontario, Canada, is Michael Sai Saiwink. He's a First Nations art educator. He's Adawe, Ad- Adawa Anishinaabe from Wikwimakong, unceded territory. Sai, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be part of this show. Absolutely, Sai. And uh, many of us down here in New Mexico are familiar with a little town called Española, and you're up there in Ontario, Canada. I got to ask you real quick, Sai, any lowriders up there in Ontario? Española, I'm talking about? Uh, Well, you you may see one in 10 years, (laughs) but nothing like down there. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, Sad. Let's go ahead and get started to this conversation here. Let's talk more about art therapy. And and please tell us how you created, how, how you and your creating art helps you emotionally. And, and how did you come to realize art as a healing process? Well, it started way back when I was a kid, actually. I used to, uh, I, I was such a bad young lad. I used to get grounded all the time by my father. And so I started drawing and sketching and, and coloring and painting. And and the more I got grounded, the more I got into my art. So I didn't mind getting grounded. I, you know, some of the best art comes out of those that are incarcerated, so to speak. Uh, it carried on from there because a lot of my friends were going, well, how come you're not doing this with us and that? I goes, well, I, I'm painting. I goes, come on, see what I'm painting. And they'd come and say, well, how, can I help you? And just by them saying that, that was leading into like a, a healing communication with them. And then in the 80s, when I was living in Toronto, I uh, was listening to some of the other senior artists talk about going into the schools and into different communities to do mural work, but they didn't have any control over the kids. So I went to the Toronto School Board with my portfolio, shared with them I'd love to get into the school because... I want to work with the at-risk students because I was one of those at-risk students, and it was art and painting that kept me alive, basically. I'm still here doing it. So I started working with at-risk youth and, uh, and using the art as a therapy way of getting them to see what colors can come out. Uh, for example, uh, at one group home, there was one young Native kid, he was from the 1960s scoop where Native kids up here in Canada were, were adopted to families, in, white families in the U.S. And then when the, when the kid knew where he came from, they ran back to Canada, but nobody wanted them. They ended up in the system. So I was working in with those kind of kids. And one young lad, he came up, he goes, he started cussing his words all over the place that I was using a sponge against a brick wall, painting uh, a backdrop. And I looked at him, I goes, hey, man, I goes, why don't you grab this sponge, dip it in this color, dip it in this color, flip it around and put a little white in there. And you want to get your anger out, put it into the wall. If you want to cuss, do it inside your head, but put that energy through you, through the sponge, through the color onto that wall. And after he did a certain area, he stopped and he stepped back and he goes, oh, my God, that's beautiful. And I looked at him. I goes, well, can you see what you can do? You can take your anger and you can put it through color and you can help heal yourself, transfer the energy. And, and that's what he kept on doing. He became one of uh, Canada's top artists. He passed away a couple of years ago. Mm. And uh, so, you know, that kind of thing just kept on going. From my perspective, I have a, a project I call Cultural Appreciation from a First Nation Perspective. And that perspective is my personal life endeavors of, of perspective of what I experienced and how I got through it and how I use it to help others. And I've been doing it basically since I was 18. I'm 67 years old now, and it's still going. I have... 
universities called me up asking me if I could come in to work with the educators that are working with the youth. Now, these aren't just Native youth. These are multi-mosaic youth. But the fact is, is that art is healing. You know, uh-huh. painting is therapy. I well, can say, tell you honestly, when I... Yeah, Sam, I'm sorry. I just, I, just, I want to ask you more about that because that, that that story you just told us about this this young this young man that you you motivated him, inspired him to just put all that energy, all that negativity into that sponge and, and paint on that wall. And what is it about the creative experience that helps you and all of these other people that you work with through these art therapy programs that you have going on? What is that process that that creates that healing? Well, what I share with them is to feel feel the color. Just don't look at it and say that color is red paint. Feel the color. Move it with different colors to blend, make blends. And, and then I would show them a demonstration of how I do it. And then when I would get there, I go, don't use the same colors I did. Feel your own colors. And they would use that, and they would do that technique. And next thing you know... They were they were talking amongst each other and saying, well, does that ever feel good? Not does that ever look beautiful? Does that ever feel good? And that's what that's what I try to stress with the the students and the participant is that if you're not that if, but when you are painting and using and feeling the color and you're putting your good positive energies through you through the color onto the wall or canvas, then that color is going to come back. That feeling through the color is going to come back, not just to you, but to the other people that come and view it. So what, at the last school I was working out with the kids, uh, when I was sharing with them to feel the color, the, you know, and, and then uh, one of the other teachers came by and said, oh, my God, does that ever feel beautiful? And I looked at the kids. I go, did you feel that? They didn't say, oh, my God, does that ever look beautiful? They said, does that ever feel beautiful? So you want to put positives into a positive space in order to have it reflected in a clear, positive way. That energy, yeah. of, and that's the healing energy, is when people see it and react and they feel it. That's the healing energy. So feeling Pretty it simple. as opposed to looking at it. And exactly. I want to ask you, though, Sai. Can anybody participate in these programs? Do you does there need to be any existing skill or talent for art, or can somebody who's never picked up a paintbrush in their life can they benefit like this? Well, they do, they do. You know, like when I meet those kind of students or participants, I say, well, look, if you could hang on to a pencil and write, or a pen and write, you could hang on to a paintbrush and follow these lines. Because what what it is is that when my murals are focused on the theme, water is life. Okay, so what that means is that as human beings, when we're being born in our mother's and growing in our mother's womb, that we rest in water. When that water bursts, then we flow out. We come out with the flow of that water, or shortly afterwards. And from that point, we need water to survive. Everything in creation needs water to survive. So water is life. It's it's the lifeblood of Mother Earth herself. And so what I share with these people when it gets to painting is that if you could hang on to it, just work. It, it's like they, they use designs from my, from my templates, from my portfolio. We blow them up on the wall with overhead projectors, 
and then we used permanent magic markers to put them against the line against the wall. That perma marker will come through after you have the acrylic paint over top of it. That uh, permanent marker image will come through the paint. So then it's like a big coloring book. Then you can come back, and that's what I share with the participants. Feel what color goes there. Just don't look. Because a mousse is, is, is brown or black, do you have to paint it brown or black? When you look at the image, it's still a mousse. So you could make, make that mousse purple, green, orange, whatever you feel. And so the kids do. It's amazing. Uh, like the adults that I'm working with today here at Guelph University, they did the line work this morning. They did the painting. We should be finished the, the project by 3 o'clock this afternoon. And then we're going to have a circle gathering and I'm going to get my eagle feathers, and we're going to do a talk about what we experienced and how they feel on what they did. We're speaking with, Sai, this is really, really fascinating, and we're going to talk more about this. We do have to take a break here in about another minute. And listeners, um, we're speaking now with Sai Saiwink. He's up in, in Canada at Guelph University in Ontario. He's actually running one of his art therapy programs right now. Uh, he's on a break as he's talking with us. He's just constantly going and uh, really, really cool work you're doing up there, Sai, and uh, working with, with, with young people and, and teaching them the importance of, of not just thinking about art from the term from the perspective of how you look at it in the visual aspect, but feeling it and using that as a form of therapy for emotional health. Folks, if you want to get in on this conversation and, and, and talk more with Cy or some of our other guests that are coming up, please give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. Once again, that number is 1-800-996-2848. We do have to take a short break, but we'll be right back. The colors Native Americans use in weavings, pottery, and regalia carry tradition and meaning. Many times they rely on the materials available and the traditional methods handed down through generations. We'll get the full picture of what colors mean and where they come from on the next Native America Calling. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Art therapy is our focus today. If you're an artist, how does art help you cope with anxiety or depression? Does it help you express complicated feelings? Join our conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We're speaking with Sai Sai Wink, and he is a First Nations art educator Inside today, you are working with students at Guelph University in Ontario, Canada. Do you mostly run your program, Sai, at schools, or do you also work in other venues? Oh, uh, uh, let me correct you. I'm not working with students. I'm working with the teachers at this university. Excuse me, faculty. Okay. 
Yeah, with um, the faculty. Um, all right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I usually uh, work these programs wherever it is they are requested, whether it's in a school or whether it's in a community. It, you know, so I like I'm open and flexible. I was I was hearing part of the advertisement about uh, art as therapy. Uh, I have to let you all know is that last year, August 6th, I lost my youngest son, who is 27 years old, to an overdose of fentanyl. Now, this young lad was born in Santa Fe. He was brought up. His, his mother passed when he, he was nine years old down there, and we came back to Manitoulin. I asked. I had a job working down there, and I asked my son, I goes, your mother's gone to the spirit world. What do you want to do? And he said, take me to Manitoulin Island so I can heal. And so we came up here. Well, over the years, uh, he was, was, was tormented because he couldn't hear his mom's laughter or feel her hugs or her kiss or see her smile and, and listen to her words of comfort. And he slowly got drawn into the drug world. He was also a, a painter, a writer, and he got into rapping. He opened up for some of the top bands here in Canada. And he, he went at the age of 27 years old. Now, when I, after he left, he, what we call, he began his spirit journey. Okay, so let me clarify this. Before we are born, we come from the spirit world. We come to this earth, to Mother Earth, through the light of the womb of our mother. We begin our earth walk here, and we never know when the Creator is going to call us to, to begin our spirit journey, to continue on with our spirit journey. So there is no life, the birth, life, and death. There is no heaven, no hell, and no purgatory. It is a continuum as a spirit being that we keep on going to help wherever we're called. So my son knew this, but he told me one time, he said, Dad, he goes, I don't mind performing in front of 5,000 people. It's a rush, but it's the party after it's all over where there's cocaine, fentanyl, uh, opiates of all kinds, you know, uh, heroin. And uh, he, he got into it and he got into it and I got him on a detox. Uh, he came to detox at my place. He, was, he got back his health. He got back the sparkle in his eyes, a big smile. And he, he goes, I'll be back. And he, uh, he ended up uh, on the streets of Toronto, Ontario, and uh, he died of an overdose. Mm -hmm. uh, one last hit. So and, I, uh, one last hit. Yeah, yeah took I, him. But let me, let me share with you that how, okay. I got auto, how I got through it is by painting and using those colors to help heal. And he came to me. I did this the, the painting that your agency found on Queen's University. I painted that. And when he came to me, he said, Dad, this is the most realistic painting I've ever seen you do. And he was already in the spirit world. So art does have its way to, to take that uh, missing part of what we feel we lost. But through our Native culture, if, if you understand the journey and the earth walk, and where we come from, then we haven't lost anything. It's a matter of how we adjust to the now of whatever level of consciousness that we feel we're growing on. Sai, this is, um, it's such a powerful story that you just shared, and, and condolences to you and your family and the loss of your son. And 
um, him appearing to you like that and speaking about your artwork and how it's helped you heal is just so inspiring. And, and we wish you well on your journey of healing going forward, Cy. We do want to take a call right now. We have Laura. She's listening in White River, Arizona on KNNB. Laura, hello. Hello. Hi, Laura. Hello? Yeah. Can you hear can us, you Laura? Can hear me? Oh. oh, yeah, loud and clear. Yes, I can. Yeah, feel free, Laura. Tell us what's Hi. on your mind. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, talking about art therapy, um, I felt like I could relate to, you know, the things that he was sharing and about the painting. And, you know, I have been working in the behavioral health field for about six years now. Um, I've been a beater for about 20 years now, um, about 21 years now. And, you know, I found a lot of relaxation, um, a contentment in what I do. Um, it gives me um, peace. And, you know, I've used that in my work in behavioral health. I brought it to my um, art group and began to use it as art therapy. And, you know, I beat it for all these years, beating my um, three daughters, outfits for their coming of age ceremony and you know through all this I was always thinking you know what is the purpose of this you know there's a blessing in it and I'm able to create this but you know I what more can I get from this and I got my answer one year um, working with my parents here on the reservation um, I had a mother who was grieving the loss of her daughter um who also lost her mother shortly after. And, you know, she came to my group. She was reaching out for help because she felt like she forgot how to be a parent. So she started to come to parenting group. And, you know, we started to work on beadwork. She started tons of strands, and she started working on medallions. And I shared with them, you know, this, it brings um, some sort of, um, meditation as you would say when you're painting or when you're coloring when you slow your breathing you're concentrating you're focused on something and so you know she started to use this technique as a form of healing with her grieving and you know at the end of the two year stages that I went through with her she came to me and she goes I feel better I think I'm healed and, you know, it touched me. She cried, and I cried with her. And, you know, she shared with me, you know, these are my healing beats. She goes, never did I ever find or think that I would find healing in just eating. And, you know, through this um, course, the two-year course that I worked with her, I mean, that's where I found, I found my calling. You know, this is the reason why I'm put where, I, where I'm at. And I always tell her, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't put us in a certain place for, you know, no reason at all. So we were meant to meet. We were meant to heal this way together because I, too, have lost, you know, a daughter that I had to bury at a young age. And that was hard. And that's where I found my peace in my grieving. And, you know, I still go to it today. And, you know, I picked up other um, other. Um, arts and crafts I sew I make our traditional outfits and you know it's just a lot that comes with it and it it kind of ties you back to the creator and the reason why we're doing these things mm -hmm. and the blessings and the challenges and the adversities that we face and we still get through it and you know I feel like it's 
a powerful subject. You know, yeah. we can all use this as indigenous people. Ab- absolutely, Laura. And thank you for sharing sharing your story and and the power the par- power of, of art and its ability to heal is just coming through loud and clear from you, from Sai, and the focus of this show. And and uh, Laura, I also want to um, express condolences for your loss as well and, and, and safe travels on your journey of healing going forward. A, a really, really impactful call. We just heard from Laura. She's in White River, Arizona. I'd like to now introduce our, our next guest on the show. Joining us from the San Francisco Bay Area in California is Carrie McCarthy. She's the founder and CEO of Startup Art Therapy and the Indigenous Healing Arts Alliance. Carrie, welcome back to Native America Calling. Thank you so much, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here and to be here again. Um, yeah, my name is Carrie McCarthy, and I have uh, 22 years of experience in the art therapy field. And uh, so one thing um, I wanted to um, say hello to Sai. And thank you for your work and, you know, beautiful um, piece about cultural continuity and the ability for art to heal and um, the way that uh, I'm part of a program, not part, I'm a founder and CEO of Startup Art Therapy to Rewire Your Brain, which actually is a evidence-based, trauma-informed and culturally competent art therapy program that's specifically designed to rewire the brain. We've done two research studies that show that this effectively reduces um, trauma symptoms, anxiety, and depression. Uh, And these studies uh, were done in prestigious universities, UCSF in uh, San Francisco and South Dakota State University. Um, The research study that I participated in was uh, on a reservation and we went into classrooms and this is what the the startup art therapy program is, is designed to be put into um, bringing mental health into the classroom for K through 12 and it's a prevention and intervention, early intervention to um, reduce trauma symptoms, to reduce substance abuse and to address the suicidal ideation problem and also historical trauma and intergenerational trauma. So the study that I did particularly shows that there is a reduction in anger, anxiety, depression, numbing, and sexual thoughts. So it's a hands-on program that's scientifically designed bringing art and neuroscience together and uh, to rewire the brain and using the brain's neuroplasticity to reduce the symptoms that are a product of an overactivity in the right brain. And so I do live virtual trainings, and I've been doing this since 2014 when I founded the nonprofit Indigenous Healing Arts Alliance and bringing this out into Indian country for um, mental health professionals and teachers and putting this into tribal schools um, nationwide. So um, we've had a lot of really successful results and um, I've seen a lot of hands-on myself um, having personal stories with 
different children that I've worked with on reservations and, of course, off reservations. Um, one in particular, there was a young boy who um, had acute trauma. We were already working with his chronic trauma because he both he had uh, incarcerated uh, parents who were drug addicted, and he was working, uh, going to school um, on the reservation, and he was living with his parents, um, grandparents, sorry, and his um, grandparents. Uh, were not able to take care of him and address a lot of the issues that he was going through. But one issue in particular, we were already working with him with chronic trauma. And um, during that time, he had had a pretty intense car accident and was ejected from the car. And um, he had had a lot of intrusive imagery and a lot of anxiety. And that was it affecting his ability to concentrate and um, function in daily life. And um, I did a certain startup art therapy, acute trauma intervention for him that was using art in a way that helps the brain to um, access the trauma and to uh, reform the neural pathways that have been damaged during trauma. And he was able to move through that incident and to be able to um, regain functioning and reduce the intrusive imagery, the nightmares, like he would have flashbacks, um, you know, while sitting there in the classroom. So mm -hmm. he came to me and he just says, uh, thank you so much. I, I don't have any of those problems anymore. And he just gave me a big hug. And it was so heartwarming to know. Uh, that um, I, I was able to help him in this way, but I yeah. train thousands of teachers and um, okay. they and, and mental health professionals, and they also train and help their children who they serve too. So it's impacting a lot of people. It, it sounds wonderful, like an absolutely fantastic program, Carrie. And, and thank you for just that really, really in-depth overview of everything you're doing and, and some of the, the folks that you've worked with who've benefited from this art therapy. And let's talk a little bit more about um, some of the people that, that you actually work with, um, like this young person you just mentioned. And I'm, I'm interested, like somebody coming in and trying art therapy for the first time, what can they expect? How does the process start? Yeah, absolutely. So I provide live virtual trainings that is a five core pillar structure. So people learn about what art therapy is because it's an actual profession in psychology. It's a master level um, degree. And then you have to go on and get internship hours and be credentialed by the art therapy credentials board and become a member of the art therapy, American Art Therapy Association and, um, and become licensed. So, you know, art therapy is actual licensed profession. Um, mm -hmm. So people learn what art therapy is, how it works. It's a right brain, left brain, um, top to bottom, bottom up approach. And it's a whole brain healing approach is um, our proprietary startup method. And then they learn their neurobiology of trauma. They learn the epigenetics and and um, historical trauma and how that works in the brain. Uh, cultural competence, they learn how to implement the startup art 
therapy program within their classroom and um, mental health practice. So this is a, a train-to-trainer model, right? This is actually for people that want to go out and, and deliver art therapy training and classes at the community level. Is that what it is? Correct. This is a train-the-trainer okay. program training mental health uh, and behavioral health practitioners and teachers and putting mental health into the classrooms and behavioral health. And my goal is to create these programs across and tribal classrooms across the country. Um, I've written a book called A Startup, um, a school-based arts curriculum for Native American youth and all cultures, interventions for development and learning. It's a facilitator's okay. manual. And Carrie, I'm sorry, we're going to have to take another break here shortly, but um, uh, when we come back, I, I want to learn a little bit more about what the program includes, what types of act, art activities are they? Are they drawing? Are they painting? Are they doing sculpture? Really, really interesting um, discussion we're having with Carrie McCarthy. She has a an art program, and she's based in the Bay Area in California. Folks, give us a call if you got a question. 1-800-996-2848. If you or someone you know is feeling sad, hopeless, or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, call, text, or chat 988 988 is a new three-digit dialing code for 24-7 emotional, mental, or substance misuse support. 988 connects you to free, confidential support. You are not alone in a crisis. Just call, text, or chat 988. For more information, visit 988.nm.org. This is Native America Calling. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Sean Spruce. We're focusing on art as therapy and guided art expression as a clinical method combating mental health struggles. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. Have you tried art therapy? Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848, 1-800-996-2848. And of course, there's social media too. Our Twitter handle is 1-800-99-NATIVE. We're speaking with Carrie McCarthy, the founder and CEO of Startup Art Therapy. And Carrie, we do have another guest on the show, but before we, we move on, can you give us a little bit more background on what types of artistic activities that people that actually will benefit from your program what will they actually experience in one of these workshops? Will they be painting? Will they be drawing? Will they be doing sculpture? What are the different art techniques that are employed? Well, thanks, Sean, for asking. Uh, so there are various types of art media that we use, and we gear each art activity. Um, this is about the four-stage chronic trauma treatment model and the acute chronic trauma treatment, acute trauma model, sorry, excuse me. Um, and this is not about, you know, what we're using. We're, you know, we paint, we draw, we do meditation, we um, do a lot of spiritual work as well. Um, but using the brain's innate healing process and the lower structure of the brain to the higher structure, which is the executive, executive functioning structure of the brain. So art activities that are geared towards that, that are um, designed specifically to get the right brain and the left brain interacting and uh, rebuilding new neural pathways. Okay. Okay. So... Uh, so employing both sides of the brain and, and, and getting 
those two lobes engage. And I, I know there's a lot of research, uh, not just art like you're doing, but but other forms of, of, of mental health that really stress understanding how those two sides of the brain work together. We've got our third guest now joining us from Hot Spring, South Dakota, Danelle Rose. She's a clinical social worker licensed to be in private practice, a licensed addiction counselor, and an auricular acupuncturist. Danelle is from the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. Danelle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. And I'd like to thank Cy for the additional ideas on therapy. And I also want to thank Carrie for providing that training. I had the opportunity to be on a Zoom session. Amy Pond from Thunder Valley sponsored this. And I thought, because I worked in mental health for 37 years, I probably knew a lot, but I said, okay, I'll go to the training. And I was amazed. Um, The techniques involved in the startup program are designed for a school, but I work in community mental health, and so I I use those techniques in my outpatient therapy on a reservation and here in Hot Springs. And using the bilateral scribble, which is described in there, connects those two parts of the brain. And I have had some very dramatic outcomes with the children and the adults that I'm working with that have had trauma and some historical trauma and some acute trauma. And uh, I fully support Carrie's goal to have this startup program in every tribal school all across South Dakota and all across the nation, because as you know, most of us in Indian country have trauma, even historical trauma. And this connects the right and the left hemisphere, allowing the trauma that's stored in the limbic system to cross over to the executive function and be processed and healing happens. And I've seen people of all ages in the short time I've been using this curriculum, um, make tremendous progress. So I want to ask you that. Yeah. 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 Please do give us some examples. And I'm also interested in learning from your experience, how long before these art therapy techniques show results? It's almost immediate. Uh, One fourth grader that I was working with, uh, it was probably the second or third time he did the bilateral scribble. When he started talking after that particular time, he started talking in baby talk, which told me that he had regressed to the two-year-old that he was in his memory when he had his, in his opinion, his first major trauma. And so when that was allowed to be expressed and move into the executive function or the frontal lobe, then he could process that and heal from that. And prior to that, um, he denied that he had ever had any trauma. He said his brother, his older brother had trauma, but he didn't. But obviously, at age two, he had experienced some trauma. Yeah, that's really, really fascinating. And Danelle, you mentioned this bilateral drawing or scribbling. So is that essentially holding a, a marker or a crayon or a pencil in each hand in, in drawing simultaneously? Correct, in a certain pattern that 
Carrie developed, yes. Got it, got it. Okay, we've got another caller on the line, Annie, listening on KGUA in Santa Rosa, California. Annie, you're on Native America Calling. Hi. <laughs> um, I'm driving. I hope, to, hope I don't lose you. Um, I just wanted to ask where, as a layperson, we would find these practitioners that could help us because it sounds like this could really speed up the therapy process and relieving post-traumatic stress, all that stuff. Thanks, Annie, for that call. And, and Danelle, please respond. Where can folks get in, in contact with an art therapist? Well, my recommendation, because I don't know this person's area, my recommendation would be you call Carrie and get a training in your area for mental health therapists, lay people, um, whomever would want to learn this technique. Because I agree with the caller. Excuse me. Uh, Anybody can do this, excuse me, and have um, a jump in their healing from historical trauma or current trauma. Okay. And so that's good information. We'll definitely have of Carrie's information on our website for folks that want to follow up and, and perhaps uh, request a training. But I'm also interested, Danelle, I mean, could a person do some art therapy at home without the guidance of a therapist? Is that possible? Well, of course. Yeah. Um, I bought a piece of art from someone on Cheyenne River, a female artist who was beginning to sell her art therapy. I mean, her artwork. And I looked at it, and she had a picture of her in the front and a child next to her. And way in the background was a tiny little girl dressed in traditional dress for our nation. And that struck me that that was her inner child. And I don't know if people who are listening know about the inner child, but we all have an inner child tucked behind our heart who shows our emotional age and our feelings and um that's what she portrayed in her drawing her painting her pastel painting so i talked to her about it and she said she didn't know why she did that put that little tiny person back in the background so we talked about inner child and inner child work but she did that spontaneously without knowing anything about inner child as a healing technique Wow. Yeah. So it just organically came out of her like that. And through that, through that artwork that you described, once again, it's just astounding to to learn more about the power of art therapy and its ability to heal. We've got another caller. This is Philip listening on KSUT in Southern Colorado, uh, Southern Ute. Philip, hello. You're on Native America Calling. Hi, my name is Philip Martinez. And I'm from the Southern Indian Reservation here in Colorado. Hi, Philip. Great Hello? to have you calling in. Yeah. Uh-huh. The airway is yours. Okay. I um, I just want to tell um, Carrie and the gentleman there that was um, that you guys are doing an excellent job. I also went to some trauma um, years of um, being in the boarding school, being abandoned. Um, and then when going to school, I was very um, 
more more like um, um, a buoy, you know, like I I had to fight, you know, that's all I knew how to do. So that was my way of coping with uh, the trauma that I was having in through the boarding school uh, at the age of five years old till I was 17. So um, I I do that when I was in school, I did some, used to do some artwork and other stuff, you know, and then when I got out of school and went on to um, outside world, I, um, I, I forgot my way, you know, I forgot my tradition and my, and the way I was taught, you know, and, and so um, the trauma basically, you know, when I got older, it just started getting worse and worse. And then when the pandemic hit, I was spiraled out of control. You know, I couldn't, I went into depression, anxiety, and I just couldn't uh, deal with, uh, with anything, you know, I, and, and, and I had to get help and I had to get counseling. And it was a good thing that Southern New Tribe started a behavioral health uh, center here on our reservation to get the counseling and the help that uh, members can get, you know, and when we're young, we don't realize that, that, you know, those traumas are there, but it doesn't affect us because we always put it aside. And then when we get older, it's just, a, um, it just gets worse, you know. So with the help of counseling and, and being on, you know, um, getting put on medications that try to have me cope with life, I, so, and then started draw, I started drawing. I started drawing. I started saying, somebody had told me to start drawing again, and I'd do some some woodwork, and I'd do some uh, some other stuff to keep me keep my mind going, uh, busy, so I don't have to feel in that anxiety or depression way. Okay, Philip, drawing and woodwork are are, are the artistic medium that uh, that benefit you and and thanks for for calling in and, and sharing that experience and also want to wish you well on your journey of healing as well uh let's go back to danelle and danelle one one thing i wanted to ask you is i, I know that issues like anxiety and depression sometimes sometimes those can really keep people from from trying something new and, and they can make people feel very lethargic or apathetic and how do you reach those kind of folks with art therapy that just don't want to initially engage and try something new? Well, one of the things that I did just recently is when I went into the school for the first time this fall, I carried my art supplies in one of those little carriers with, with pockets on both sides. Sometimes you use them to carry your cleaning supplies around in the house or whatever, but Anyway, I carried them so they were visible, so the kids would see that and be encouraged to want to come to counseling. And I do that in my office, too. I have various art supplies around, and I bring out certain items to interest other patients, other clients, and um, just try to pique their interest in using a medium of some sort, whatever their choice is. And um, I have to say there are some resistive clients who are unattached children, but I don't give up on them, even when they're very angry because they don't want to make a connection because they've been abandoned in the past. Um, 
I continue to meet with them and try to engage them. And Carrie just gave me a, a new technique because um, I have a, a student I'm working with. She's very angry. She doesn't want to connect. So we're going to do what's called the marker war. And she'll move her, she'll have two markers in each hand and move them around and I'll try to follow her. And invariably her anger might turn into a giggle and that will be the first positive uh, connection that we have. So Mm. basically what I do is I just keep trying different things until I find something that works with that particular person. And Danelle, do you recommend... I'm sorry, do you, do you recommend art therapy to, to Native people of all ages? Oh, yes. Yes. Because we're more into sight and color and sound, so talking therapy doesn't always work as well. But using art therapy um, breaks down that barrier. One teen that I was working with, he had done the bilateral scribble at the beginning of each session and about the third or fourth session, I noticed that he was talking more and more. So I reflected that back to him. I said, you're, you're saying a lot more than you've said in the past. And he responded, yeah, it's that scribble thing you had me do. Mm. (laughs) So he recognized that somehow in his mind, doing that scribble made him more comfortable talking about the trauma the current trauma that was going on. Well, I, I just continue to be inspired by all of our guests and all of our callers today. Just a wonderful discussion about their art therapy. And we do have to wrap things up. That's all the time we have for today. But before we do, I'd like to thank our guests, Carrie McCarthy, Danielle Rose, and Sai Sai Wink for a well-rounded discussion on the mental health benefits of art therapy. Join us next week for another lineup of discussions about Native issues and topics, starting with a rerun of our show on color. Our executive producer is Art Hughes. Our producers are Andy Murphy and Sol Traverso. Marino Spencer is the engineer with help this week from Roman Garcia. Show McPollin is the digital producer. Nola Daves Moses is the distribution director. Bob Peterson is the network manager for Native Voice One. Clifton Chadwick is our National Underwriting Sales Director. Antonia Gonzalez is the anchor for National Native News. Charles Sather is our Chief Operations Officer. The President and CEO of Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation is Jacqueline Salee. I'm Sean Spruce. Have a safe weekend. My name is Asad. When I was 19, my mom was diagnosed with colorectal cancer because she smoked. My tip is find things to be thankful for. I'm thankful she quit smoking. I'm thankful for the nurses who taught me how to check her IV and to manage her medication. And I'm thankful for every day we have together because nothing is guaranteed, especially for us. The people you love are worth quitting for. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian country has put its trust in Amerind. Providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com.
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.